The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. 800-600-8192. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host, alongside the lovely and talented Miss E. I'm sorry we're a little late this week, but... uh Life busy. happens, yeah. Life happens, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're inside this evening. We're at the kitchen table, so you may hear some dogs. We're absolutely surrounded by dogs at the moment, but it's a little too humid to do the show outside. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of the gross part of the summer and here mis- in Virginia. And the mosquitoes, they yeah. are a-coming. Yeah, they're thick. Yeah. Fireflies are out, but... Uh, and ticks are bad enough. I find random ticks when I go out just for a few minutes mm-hmm. now, but, uh, yeah, so... I know. Um, garden-wise, things are pretty good. We'll uh, be talking about that on the program, but I wanted to start this podcast by talking about uh, the Philando Castile case. Um, I had mentioned this. If you listen or watch Cam and Company, I had said that... Uh, uh, I thought that this was actually going to be a more appropriate place to talk about stuff. Colian Noir had a, a post on Facebook where he talked about his experience uh, and his thoughts. And um, the Guardian newspaper reached out to him and asked, you know, what do you think about uh, the NRA comment? And he said, well, you know, he said, I, I understand why they're not, because most of the people who uh, want them to talk are, are, are folks who just want to take what they say, twist it, try to turn it, spin it, and then... They do it for their own uh, agenda, uh, and I think that that is certainly the case. And so, since the NRA hasn't said anything, and I've got some opinions, I thought this um, would would hopefully guarantee that people understand that uh, these are my thoughts and Miss E's thoughts. These aren't the thoughts of the NRA. This is uh, my own personal opinion when I talk about this. And I, I, I unfortunately, I agree with Coley, and I think this is something that we've got to talk about. I mean, we had a week ago a shooting in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, the guy who, who who committed that act of violence was a guy who was just inundated. If you went and you looked at his Facebook page, I looked at his Facebook page before, it was uh, banned, and it was, the guy was just immersed in, in politics. That's, that's Every post was just a, a retweet of some sort of political meme. Uh, there was like one personal post that I saw in three years of this guy posting on Facebook, like one picture of his granddaughter or a, uh, a little girl that seemed to be family related. Um, I, I, we're so angry at each other right now. We're just at each other's throats, and I think we're looking for reasons to get angry. And nothing, if that's the attitude, and if that's the motivation, then nothing ever gets done. And we're complaining about stuff, but it seems like we're more interested in complaining about each other than we are in actually trying to do something productive. You agree, Missy? Yeah. To some degree? Yeah, to some degree. Okay. <laughs> I, I know I I know I'm monologuing here and thank you for being patient but uh, uh, so we are going to talk about this because um, you know obviously this was a tragic tragic case I don't think anybody can look at what happened and say that, uh, that this is how it should have uh, ended up I think that there are 
a lot of people who have very reasonable questions about how the jury could have come to the conclusion uh, that they did. I would encourage you, there's a piece that David French wrote at National Review that talks about the, the standard that the jury has to look at under the law. And, and certainly the, the court of public opinion has a very different standard uh, than a legal court of law in terms of determining guilt or innocence or punishment, and that's part of the problem. Um, but I think the bigger question is where do we go from here? Do we just want to use this as another opportunity to yell and scream at each other and talk about how horrible the other side is? Or do we actually, can we, is it possible to actually try and be productive and, and try to talk about where we go from here? That's what I'd like to do. Do you want to do that tonight? Well, yeah, and I know that there's a learning experience out of this because I know at this point there's probably a lot of people that, that are wondering, okay, what what could have what could have what everyone had done differently mm -hmm. and so how should you conduct yourself if you get pulled over and you happen to be a concealed carry person and how should you conduct yourself if the person that you pull over is a concealed, is a concealed carry, carry person? person like this is right. just some common sense stuff but the, if but it's allowed to be if right? it's allowed to be but those are the things that i, I think i want to talk about too Okay, um, so we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and, you know, Miss E, I think, has a... I think this what ultimately this... this uh, the, the immediate Philando Castile story and the, uh, the, the trial and the aftermath, um, you know, obviously that plays out on an individual level, but there are all kinds of groups and people that want to magnify it and turn it into part of a broader conversation about issues, right? Whether it's the criminal justice system, whether it's right to carry, uh, whatever. Well, all of a sudden we try to remove that from the, uh, the, the specific circumstances and try to have these broad conversations relating back to those individual circumstances. I think you can have the big conversations and I want to talk about some of that because I, I think, I think Miss E is actually in a pretty unique experience, uh, or, or uh, you, you've, you've had some pretty unique experiences. You're in a pretty unique place in that you grew up in the New Jersey suburbs. Mm -hmm. You spent almost a decade in Camden, New Jersey, while it was the murder capital of the United States. Yeah, I lived in Section 8 housing. Uh, as a single mom. Yep. Uh, you lived in the suburbs of D.C. Now you live on a small farm. You know, like, you've led, I think, a more varied life than a lot of Americans have. Mm-hmm. You've lived in a lot of different circumstances in a lot of different places. Uh, we even skipped around, like, uh, uh, you know, Oklahoma City and the inner part of Oklahoma City. Yep. Um, you also have two biracial kids, and so I know that this is, uh, you know, an issue that's important to you. It's an issue that's important to me. I think about, you know, these kids have called me dad. They're my kids for the past 20 years. Yeah, um, almost that long. Right. And so, you know, but, but if you're... Uh, Caucasians past the age of 40 who are conservatives, right? Uh, it might not matter that you've got biracial kids who you love. You know if you start talking about race, there are going to be people who are trying to, who are immediately going to try to make you out to be a racist, oh. unfortunately. Oh, God, I've been called a racist. It cracks me up. I know. So, you know, my I think... In -law, my ex-in-laws were more racist than I was. Let's put it that way. So, I think, you know, and, and it's... This is the thing. We live in a culture and an environment where we, we need to have these big, serious conversations. We need to talk about these things. And yet, we're set up to shut down any type of conversation. 
And the longer you talk, the more dangerous it becomes because the, the more likely it is that you'll say something off script or off message. There was a uh, there was a New Yorker profile of John Ossoff, the guy that lost in Georgia mm. this week. Okay. And I read it today. The, uh, the reporter, Olivia Nuzzi, who wrote it, had retweeted it out and... Um, had said that this uh, White House source that she had talked to it was, was pretty spot on in his prediction about the election. But what I picked up on in that New Yorker profile of John Ossoff is that he was very circumspect. He was very careful about what he said. He watched his words very carefully. Mm. And he said, because it, people are looking to take something out of context and run with it. And oh, yeah. so I want to be very, very careful. Like, this was a running and continuing theme throughout this article, the fact that, that John Ossoff was sort of buttoned down. Uh, and Elizabeth Nuzzi, you could tell, didn't she thought it made him boring. Um, uh, some Democrats may have think it made him you know, too safe or milk toast or too middle of the road. But he's also right that, you know, we live in that environment where people do try to shut each other down. At the same time, we, we keep talking about the need to have a conversation. And that's a contradiction. Well, that's because if you don't agree with some, if you don't agree with some people, then you might not, you shouldn't talk at all. That's sort of like what their mentality is. Right. Like, if you don't agree with us, then you're wrong and you should just shut up. And I think the most important thing, and maybe this is just because I... I know I, it's going to be ironic after I've been just yammering away here, but I think the most important thing is to actually listen, yeah. right? Yes. I think that's the thing. We all like to talk like I've been doing for the past 10 minutes or so. We all like to do that. We all like to get on Facebook. We all like to get on Twitter and let the world know how we feel. But the converse of that is, is actually listening. And if we're all so busy talking that nobody's listening, Again, what's the point? Or learning. Or learning, right. Like on you know, Facebook, you're not necessarily listen, but you can do some research for yourself and look up and get the full story for everything. Yeah. Or, but, or if you're on Facebook, I guess the Facebook version of that would be you're scrolling through your feed and you're reacting to what you're seeing more so about yourself than, oh, that makes me so angry. Oh, I can't believe, oh, I got the, oh, they got the feels, right? Mm. And it's it's still about you. It's not necessarily about the person who's posting whatever story or the story itself. It's it's still about you, right? Yeah. I, and, you'll, and you'll, oh, this makes me so angry. Oh, I, I saw this today, right? Like it's still, yeah. I, I think it's we're we're it's it's so easy to to be that, and it's almost set up in a way that uh, we're supposed to be that way. Yeah, because remember when Facebook, when you first would put up a status, you would you would write it in third person because it would be your name followed by what your status was. So you'd write it in third person, so it would look like an actual sentence. Mm -hmm. But now they they changed it all up, and it's these whole little interactive thought bubbles with colors and emoticons and weird little status sharing things that sometimes you don't really need to use all the time. Yes. So we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation, a conversation that is not meant to demonize anybody. It is not meant to uh, uh, even really criticize anybody. It's meant to actually get beyond that because we do so much of it and actually talk about what we can do. Uh, to maybe make things a little bit better. Stick around. There's much more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. 
solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. That uh, crunchy, kind of slobbery sound you may be hearing in the background. It's not me, I promise. I didn't bring any snacks this time. (laughs) That would be Booker, uh, who is happily chewing on a beef hoof at our feet. Um, And we're going to put up with it because uh, it means that he's not chewing on anything else. Yes, and he loves my knitting. And I've complained. Everybody loves your knitting, but he likes the way it tastes. Here's something about it. He'll get caught at it. He's even, like, just sucked on a piece of yarn that sort of looped down while I was working on it. All of a sudden, I come up and there's a wet bit. I'm like, oh, man, really? So I have to watch out. He really likes me and knitting. Yeah, yeah. so I I like it better when we've got the fire pit going and the crickets in the background, the frogs. But uh, tonight it's the slobbery, chompy stuff. Hopefully hopefully we'll be able to get back outside here before long. But we've been talking about the Philando Castile case, and I want to continue talking about this. and and so let me ask you, Missy. I'll, I'll ask you if you agree uh, with with the following statements that maybe we can use as just a starting point for the discussion. Okay. Um, one, even in the worst neighborhoods, there are more good people than bad people. Oh, totally. More good people than bad people. Yes. Oh, totally. I lived in Camden. There are way more good people than bad people. Okay. Um, there are. Uh, way more good cops than bad cops. I have police people in my family, so I have to agree that there are, and people I went to high school with. Yeah, there are way more good cops than bad cops. Good people can make bad decisions and can make mistakes. Yes, always. And bad people can sometimes be capable of surprising you with good acts. Yes. Okay. See, I think we have to keep those four things in mind. I yeah. believe that all four of those things are true. Yeah. Um, and I think when you believe that all four of those things are true, then all of a sudden now it's not about designating the enemy and punishing the enemy and trying to make things better that way. The sad thing is, when you talk about what's going on in, in our inner cities, whether it's Camden, New Jersey, or... Minneapolis or Milwaukee, Baltimore, Maryland right now, you've got a record number of homicides taking place. I mean, they, oh, they, they could... surpassed Chicago recently, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, you had five homicides in one night in Baltimore, and the murder rate's been going up for the past three years. Even in places like San Francisco, gun-related crime is up, violent crime's up at 10% in California last year. Like, violent crime's been going down for... 25 or so years around the country. And over the past couple of years, it's it started to creep back up. I don't know if this is a slight trend or if this is the start of something bigger. It kind of feels like it's the start of something bigger. And I, I hope it's not a return to the bad old days of the 90s. Um, sorry, the really dog is going a little nuts here. He's really getting into that hoof. Uh, I apologize. Go, go away, Booker. <laughs> go lie down. Um... Nah, he should be fine now. So, I, but but right now I think the relationship between the community at large, whether it's Camden, New Jersey, St. Louis, wherever, and law enforcement has become so toxic. It's rather strained. Right? Yeah. And we've got to try to figure out what we can do 
there. I'm, and again, I'm willing to listen to some outside of the box suggestions about what you can do uh, to get both of these stakeholders, because that's what they are. They're stakeholders in the public safety of these communities. You've got to get these stakeholders ideally to work on the same page, but at the very least to be able to talk to one another, to be able yeah. to communicate with one another. Yeah. Right? And so what was it like when you lived in Camden and you needed the police? Um, well, honestly, uh, the couple of times I called when I admitted it was a domestic issue, they took really a long time to show up. Even the one time where the domestic issue ended up with the ex-boyfriend of my neighbor showing up and shooting at her door, um, it took quite a long time for them to show up. Meanwhile, he got in her apartment, he broke her table, he, he scared her new boyfriend out and threatened to shoot him, but he didn't kill anybody, but yeah, it took... Have you, did you ever, I can't sing the line, but I, I think there was a song, a, a, a rap artist who said something about 911's a joke in my town. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was actually a popular song, I think, at the time I lived there, and it was not, it was not untrue. Now, I have to say, though, when the, the, the crazy crackhead who lived on the second floor of an apartment managed to set fire to her couch, when I called the fire department, who were just a block and a half away up, they were they showed up right away and made sure that the rest of the building didn't burn down. So mm -hmm. the fire department was great. And, you know, uh, again, I don't know the circumstances. It, and that it, was a long time ago. Well, I was going to say, it is 20 years ago. 20 plus. Um, as bad as the crime rate is in Camden, New Jersey right now, it was a lot worse 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, it may very well have been that the, uh, the law enforcement community was overtaxed and couldn't get to you right away. But, um, but there is, again, that expectation. There was a book that was written about uh, L.A. County or LAPD, actually, a couple of years ago in a, uh, uh, the homicide unit there. And it was really fascinating because it explored the relationship. And a lot of members of the community feel like, you know, cops show up and it's just a job. They don't really care. Someone's been shot. You know, well, it's the third person they've seen shot today. Not really invested in the case. They're not really interested in solving the case. And so they feel like the cops aren't really giving it their all. Meanwhile, on the cop side of things, they feel like, okay, they don't, they don't, in many cases, according to this book anyway, it's not a, it's not a matter of disrespecting the members of the community, but it is a, they don't, they're not going to talk to us. They're not going to cooperate with us. This is get stitches. Uh, some of us see, uh, some of them see us as the enemy, right? So we're not going to get the information that we need, which makes it more difficult to make an arrest. Um, and then nobody gets caught and nobody goes to prison. And then people think we don't care. Yeah. You can't be friends in right? that regard because they're not going to. Yeah. And there's the very real concern by some of those good people living in bad neighborhoods that, okay, if I call the police and I tell them, hey, someone's dealing drugs out of this house, or I just saw who committed a drive-by shooting, I tell the police this, an arrest is made, they're out on bond within three or four days. Uh, or if they stay in bond or behind bars uh, on uh, on a high bond, their compatriots in the gang 
still find out that I called and all of a sudden there's retaliation. Or you call because the total crack crazy woman who, the one I just talked about who yeah. set her apartment on fire, her pimp boyfriend threw down the stairs and I called the police for a domestic issue and the next day he broke out the wind, side window on one of my, in my car. So, yeah, right. immediate retaliation. I was the only person who had a phone. Yeah. So it was kind of your responsibility, right? But you, stick your, responsibility. but you stick I your neck out. I called 911 when the person set her apartment on fire. I've called for help on numerous occasions because I seriously was the only person who had a phone for the longest time. And yeah, I stuck my ne neck out on occasion. And people came to me like I was a doctor some days. It was a lot of responsibility to just be not stupid in my neighborhood. Kind of like today, right? I still have a bunch of people who you're surrounded by who come to you for help with all kinds of things <laughs> because we don't know how to do it. Yes, exactly. I've been living used to this it by my now. entire life. But my neighbors, you know, they were also good. Like, I learned how I, I could appreciate some really good different kinds of cooking. I'm never going to like chitterlings. However, I learned to appreciate a lot of other interesting foods from my neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of them was uh, Puerto Rican, and she introduced me to bacalao. And I would have never in my entire life been had any reason to eat tried salt cod. And right. th the way she made it was an amazing, cold, refreshing salad with tomatoes and onions and cucumbers and olive oil and lemon juice and salt and pepper and chunks of the reconstituted salt cod that she had been rinsing for days. I see. Yeah, and we shared. Like, we always shared food. Like, everybody in our place. And we looked out for each other's kids. This was before the days of cultural appropriation, when you could still share food, That uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was back in the days where it was just cool to learn other people's cultures and it was so we're all good I'm, about it. Right? So I suppose I'm not allowed to, to make fried chicken because of that. Or I, I make a really good, uh, I make some really good Italian food, but is that cultural appropriation? Because there's no Italian in me. I think, am I stuck with like... You make good Vietnamese food. You make good. You make good. I make good food. everything food. So I've apparently appropriated everybody's cultures, or I'm just appreciating everybody's culture. I think it's right? more the. We're, well, we're see, going off track. Here we are, but but I, I you know I think again it it, it kind of goes back to what I think is that big block that's stopping us from getting stuff done. I think we, at the end of the day, we would rather yell at each other than actually really try to get stuff accomplished. Because getting stuff accomplished is hard. It's not a matter of, well, you know, we just pass another gun control law, or we just do this or that. You know, when it comes to the issue of concealed carry, I've, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, well, this means that uh, um, minorities can't carry concealed because they're, they're targets. But listen, I don't accept that. No. My my attitude has always been self-defense is a human right. I, I, I started thinking about this issue when Missy lived in Camden. And well, I've told this story before, so I won't tell it now. But but that's what got me thinking about uh, gun control. And Ida Wells wouldn't buy that anyway. No. And uh, again, the I, look, and look, from a practical standpoint, if you're going to talk about um, the status quo when it comes to minorities and concealed carry not being acceptable. You got two choices. You can either try to go backwards. You can say, well, we just got to get rid of concealed carry because it's too dangerous for minorities. That means you're going to have to change the law in all 50 states because every state has, at least on paper, the ability to carry a concealed firearm. Uh, in about 40 plus states, you're just going to have to really change the shall issue law. You're going to have to get rid of that. For 12, 12 states, you're going to have to get rid of constitutional carry laws. 
you're really going to have to change. Oh, and 15 million Americans who are currently concealed carry holders are all of a sudden going to be told they can no longer carry. Right. I think that's going to be really tough to do. Right. I think the better thing to do, I think the more reasonable thing to do, the more practical, frankly, the more uh, just and equitable thing to do is to actually acknowledge that every law-abiding American has the right to carry a firearm. And we need to normalize this so that it is not scary, it is not unusual for a dreadlocked black man to have a concealed firearm when he's pulled over for a traffic stop. Or a black woman. Or a black woman, or a Sikh, or a 55-year-old Pakistani guy, or a 43-year-old white guy. None of those things. It should be absolutely normal for anybody that a law enforcement officer may be interacting with to be a concealed carry holder and for that not to be a concern. So we need to make it like, okay, so here um, in Virginia, we've we've both been pulled over for speeding Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we have been asked, we have been offered, but we have been asked, they've mentioned that we have a concealed carry, are we carrying, and we've said, you know, in my case, it was no. I was on the way to someplace, and um, and then they proceeded from there. Like I think that should probably just be the first question. Like we need to not that we need a, a, a database of anything, and but there just needs to be the assumption that maybe everybody has their concealed carry from someplace, and then you need the police officer says needs to so ask. Or you can still carry. Or are you carrying now? I, you know, I listen. I think, um, and I don't think that I'm qualified to actually say like what that standard should be. But I, I agree. I think that there should be a, a best practices that's determined for. Okay, if you are the concealed carry holder, you get pulled over for a traffic stop. You should here's, just put here's your hands how, up on the desk. Here's you know here's what you should do. If you are a <laughs> law enforcement officer and you're pulling over a traffic, here's what you should do. There should be best practices for both of those situations that everybody. Uh, on both sides of that encounter, know and understand, right? Yeah, and do not misplace your pronouns. Yes, do not misplace your pronouns. It's called um, a misplaced antecedent, but I wouldn't, you know, didn't want to assume. But yeah, don't right. say it. No, but I, I also think that there really does need to be a a recognition and a normalization yeah. of the right to keep and bear arms everywhere. It's been almost 10 years since we had the Heller decision, and in Washington, D.C., there's still no gun range that's open. If you want to buy a firearm and register it legally, you've still got to go outside of the District of Columbia because there are no gun stores. You've got to pay to have that gun transferred back into the district. There are hundreds of extra dollars in costs associated with exercising a constitutional right. The city of Chicago wrote in their code after their handgun ban was struck down, they wrote in their code that a range could not open up in the city. They've been taken to court two different times over this, and the judges told them you can't do that. But there is an attitude... I think in, 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 in most urban areas of do everything you can to try to keep people from owning guns. You can't stop them legally, but make it culturally so unacceptable that people won't do it. And I have to tell you, I don't think that's worked too well. I think there needs to be a recognition that people, particularly people living in high crime neighborhoods, those good people in bad neighborhoods, 
Some of them are going to want to protect themselves with yeah. a firearm. You're not going to be able to get rid of that thought in their head, <laughs> and you're not going to be able to take that right away. I kept a baseball bat by my door. A baseball bat doesn't go pretty far against somebody <laughs> with a gun unless you're a really, really good batter, and even then. Yeah, so I, I think that we really need to work on normalizing and actually accepting the idea that, yes, the Second Amendment is actually for everybody, including people who live in deep blue cities with a lot of anti-gun laws. And when that acceptance, that real acceptance comes, some of those laws are going to have to change. And it might be very uncomfortable for some of the, you know, people, the politicians in particular. But, you know, again, if we, if we want to have and I do want to have a world in which our constitutional rights are able to be exercised by all American citizens. We've, we've got to move in that direction. You have to. Yeah. You, you just do. All right. So, look, I, you know, I, I'm not holding myself out to be the words of wisdom. I don't think that uh, I have managed to solve the problems uh, of the world and the problems of the country that we're facing. But I, I do hope that maybe... I don't know. I'm not even really that hopeful, to be honest with you. But uh, but I got a little tiny kernel of hope left in me that that we can actually start talking, despite our differences, and we don't have to talk past one another. That we can listen to what each other has to say. It's okay to learn new things. It's okay to have new information it's come in. It's also okay to disagree with somebody without just without being a dick about it. And with right without them becoming the worst person in the world, or without you becoming the worst well, person. Well, that's in not the even world. that. It's just like okay, you don't like my opinion. Okay. I'm sorry, you don't like my opinion. And we can move on from there. Let's right? just move forward. Just you don't have to be a dick about it. That's the other thing is that these the problems that we're talking about are so big that even if we don't agree on one aspect of them we might find ourselves in agreement on other aspects. And I think we should work together when we can. Yeah. Like that's another way to actually try to, you know, have some real uh, uh, concrete achievements rather than just talking past one another, which we're doing right now. So we're going to take a time out. I was going to say, can we talk about something like lighter? Because I want to talk about like we are. The food porn I posted last yes, weekend. Yes, we will okay. talk about food porn and more. You never know what you're going to get here on 40 Acres and a Fool, but stick around. We'll be oh, back with more. food trade. And another food trade that we'll be talking about as well. Stick around. There's uh, more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up next. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. It's one of the unsung success stories of the nascent Trump administration, an economy that's really taken off. We'll talk about that with Fox business star Melissa Francis. Plus, we'll have the fallout from the Senate GOP Obamacare repeal proposal. I predict the Democrats will hate it because they said they hated it before they even saw it. The Chris Salcedo Show, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about some food porn. Well, so for Father's Day <laughs> this weekend, that was a really good Barry White kind of voice, Thank by you. the way. So uh, for Father's Day this weekend, uh, a couple of days previously on the Internet, I had seen this really interesting recipe for an Eggs Benedict quiche. And I know you like eggs, Benedict, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of work to make, you know, poached eggs and whatever for one person and not, and to, you know, get through 
the cutting and the little whatever. But anyway, I thought that would be a pretty interesting thing to try. And it's funny because as you're telling me this, apparently I had to look on my face like, eh, I don't know about this because you're like, well, I could just make eggs Benedict. And, and I, I was Benedict at Christmas. You did, and it was wonderful. And I was, I, I'll admit, I was on the fence because I, generally speaking, and it's not because of the whole real men don't eat quiche thing, but generally speaking, I am not a fan of quiche. But when you talked about how much easier it would be for you, and, <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I know you love me, and I, I think it's fantastic that on Father's Day you want to spoil me and treat me, but... You didn't like I'm it? A big, no, 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 it was fantastic. Oh. But I was like, yeah, go for it. I don't want you to have to go through the whole rigmarole of making the whole eggs benedict. Like, I, I understand, and I don't need the whole setup. So I was like, I was good with the quiche. I was willing to try the quiche for you because it was going to be easier for you to make. And it was awesome. Oh, good. Good, good. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Even with the pre-made hollandaise sauce that I know you weren't a huge fan of, I, th well, I, I thought our, it was pretty our, good. Our chickens were not performing. Like, we had to toss the all the eggs that they had laid in the wrong know. place. I, and then, yeah, they, I don't know if they're not I performing. We got a, I, I caught a snake in the coop again, but yeah. it, I snuck away before I could kill it. So Yeah, and we need to probably muck out a bit, so yeah. whatever. Um, but, uh, so yeah, it was a... But, I don't know what this wee stuff is, lung cancer survivor. You don't get to do that I anymore. Don't have that's to do that's that anymore. now my job. So, uh, I was smart, though. I made a double pie crust and used half of the quiche in the morning. And in the afternoon, I was like, I have these strawberries. And I made uh, pastry cream and pre-baked the pie shell. And we had the strawberry tart with the homemade whipped cream for dessert. Mm -hmm. And But the, the I shared all this on the Facebook Corny Goat Farm page. Um, but the one thing that was really cool was the the vegetable thing because even you were like I don't really like zucchini but you oh you yeah like a the, veggie gratin 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 it was a summer squash gratin and it looked like a swirl it was it totally like a spiral a, it was a big swirl because that's exactly what it was I cut it on a mandolin which is not the guitar we had a conversation about this with kid five four and he was like wait mandolin i thought that was i'm like yeah they use it for nickel creek but it's also the same spelling a cutting instrument and i explained how it cuts and then i was cutting it and he was like you're making me nervous he was so afraid i was gonna cut the tips of my fingers off but i was i always grabbed the the protector at the the very end bits but yeah you cut them into eighth inch slices uh so you you have zucchini and uh yellow squash you cut them really thin, you lay the, them out on a cookie sheet and sprinkle them with salt and pepper and like a cup of grated, the rest would be called for Gruyere. I didn't have any, so you just use Parmesan. Because okay. it's still like a dry, aged, salty, nutty. Uh -huh. um, and then after you let them sit for a little while, then yeah, you start coiling them up in a spiral in a baking dish and sprinkle them with a little bit more cheese and a little bit more olive oil. And then you, the recipe called for thin slices of one plum tomato, but I didn't have any plum tomatoes, so I used grape tomatoes. And this is all about the, my friend said, so you didn't follow the recipe at all, did you? I'm like, I mostly did, because recipes for me are more like guidelines than right. rules. Well, next time add more cheese than I think, if more we're allowed cheese. to adopt the recipe. And then the bottom layer the was leeks uh, sauteed with olive oil, and then you added in some wine, uh, recipe called for white, I had rosé on hand, and again, 
Yeah, uh, but it, it, I think it was. It, it was good. It was pretty and it was tasty. It was tasty. And the spiraling part was kind of like it took. It was a kind bit, of fancy. It was fancy. It took a bit, but once you got into the groove, you were like, "Yeah, I'm making this happen." That yeah, was good. Veggies are not my favorite thing in the world, but I actually ate a, a full serving that night. I took some for lunch the next day. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it was really good. And, and then I, and I try to make veggies like interesting. You do. You do a pretty good job of that. Rare are the occasions where it's like, what's for dinner? Ah, and the side dish is frozen broccoli or mixed veggies with the carrots. Oh, I know you don't like that. Oh, I like the, the other kind. Carrots. Um, but anyway, but for dinner, that was yum. Yes, a cedar. So so we, we went to the big city uh, yeah. last weekend, and we went to go see Wonder Woman. Which was an awesome movie. It was good. Uh, far better than the other DC outings that we've seen lately. But we stopped at the uh, at the Wegmans mm -hmm. outside of Richmond, and we brought our cooler with us. Oh, so yeah. that, so that things we could get some stuff and keep it cold. And we got a uh, a cedar plank salmon. Yeah, it and comes with the cedar plank. Comes with the, the seasoning. It's all right there. Yep. One one package. And you don't really have to do anything to it. You you take the plastic off, and as long as you didn't crack the foam container like I did, you just fill <laughs> the foam container up with water and let it sit for an hour, and then you sprinkle the, the seasoning. You, so you let the plank sit. Yeah, for so an hour. the plank. So you just fill it up with enough water to for the plank to soak, mm -hmm. and then you let that sit for an hour because it takes about. And then you plant it for thirty minutes to cook an hour to soak anyway and, the, and all the directions are on the package and then you just you just take it out of the water and you kind of dab it off and then you sprinkle the seasonings that they give you on it and then you throw it on the grill and shut the cover and, and ignore it for 30 minutes like they tell you and it was amazingly good it was good. really really good I was happy and for dessert well that was the that uh, strawberry cream pastry filled uh, pie shell that was the other half of the pie shell that I used for the quiche. Okay. So Yeah, it was really tasty too. Yeah, we with had a lot of homemade whipped cream. Yeah, homemade whipped cream. Oh, and the secret to making really, really good whipped cream is not to use granulated sugar because you get that gritty use confectioner sugar. Oh yeah? Yeah. Get it a little, whip it a little bit, get it a little thick, mm -hmm. and then sprinkle some confectioner sugar over the top, and then just get to whipping. You don't need a lot, because cream is sweet. Do you have sweet. to whip it good? Well, yeah, of course you got to whip it. Whip, whip it, it real good. good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make you lose your space, your spot there. No, but good. And, and I didn't sing it. Yeah, you didn't. I, I, think we're, I think we're safe. Um, but anyway, yeah, so you whip it up. Uh, but cream itself is really sweet, so you don't want to add a lot of sugar. So, But with confectioner sugar, you just sprinkle and beat and give it a taste, but it dissolves right into the cream, so you don't have any grittiness. We, uh, we've been collecting blueberries as well because the blueberry bushes are all coming in, all covered with netting. Haven't seen any birds around there, so it's been fantastic. So we've yep. been picking. All right, we probably got three pints I'd I think say yesterday. Yep. I rinsed them off and I laid them out flat on cookie sheets on top of fr uh, freezer paper and I put them in there so they'll individually freeze. And once they're frozen solid, I can put them in a Ziploc bag and that way I can I can scoop out a measure and they won't be sticking together. Okay, so we're going to we're going to keep some loose berries to use as you know toppings or whatever, but I know we also want to try to collect enough that you can can at least a couple of cans if possible of, of pie filling, of blueberry right? pie filling. Like I would like to make at least a couple of quart jars cuz at least one quart to make a pie, mm -hmm. but then you can also use it to make uh, 
crumble and cobbler and all manners of uh, hand pies and um, uh, 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 bread puddings. Uh, okay. Pocket place. I mean, all kinds. <laughs> all of a sudden, of, you're sounding like the the uh, the, the guy the, with the shrimp in the exactly, Forrest Gump movie. Right? Well, you can make blueberry <laughs> pie and blueberry buckle and blueberry muffins and blueberry bread and blueberry corn bread. All right, yeah. Forrest. Um, yeah. That so, was Forrest, though. That no, was I know. Friend. It was his buddy. Um, Bubba. Bubba. That's right. right? Thank you. Because it was going to yes. be the. It was the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. There you anyway. go. So I guess for you, be the uh, the Bubba Blueberry Company. That works. Which kind of works, actually. Yeah. Now that I think about oak. it, the uh, tomatoes are in the garden. They're all doing great. Peppers are all doing fantastic. Everybody's yeah. getting along fine. Horseradish uh, got nibbled on by the goats, but but, uh, but it's, it's, it's made a recovery. It's coming back. Uh, the beets are doing okay, but they think we didn't put them in a good spot. They're not getting a good amount of sun. They were growing, early. and then they're not really growing anymore. So I think we might have to just go ahead and Probably pull them up, and then weed. plant some more on the other side of the garden, which I think is a sunnier side. Thin mountain. The, yeah. And so that's all cleared, and then we... Uh, need more carrots to be put down, too, because those we got... Well, the tape kind of crapped out, and we actually yeah. do have carrots in seed that we can put down for fall planting. Okay. And so we can just, again, find a sunny spot on the other side of where everything is right now. But we, the good thing is, is we have a good almost another half mm -hmm. of the garden that gets a good amount of sun all during the day that we're planning to use for the fall winter stuff. Yes, and... Uh, uh, but we looked at our calendar and the fall winter stuff is telling us not to plant, not to start it for at least two months before the first frost, which here is October. Right. So that means we're not starting things until July. So that'll be next month. So we're ahead. We haven't started, so we should be on we're, time. We're, we're ahead so. for the fall planning. We were a little bit behind for the spring, <laughs> we're but we're ahead for, for the spring. fall. We're ahead for fall. Uh, but yeah, the garden looks pretty good. We've got the fence posts in the ground so that we can fence off the garden. And, yeah, uh, I just got to do the math. Yeah, uh, so for the fencing. Um, out front in our raised garden beds, the uh, the tomatoes, the bigger tomatoes are, are growing just fine. The basil's doing great. And then this past weekend, just a few days ago, uh, you had planted some edible flowers, right? Right, we did nasturtium and edible zinnia. And I know it, most people know nasturtium flowers are edible because you'll get them in fancy salads and they're really peppery. But I did not know that they actually made an edible zinnia. And zinnias are like my kind of favorite flowers because they grow no matter what uh -huh. and they're just like they look so happy I used to grow them when I was a kid but I just grew zinnias but this is an edible variety and then so we kind of so we have four beds so we kind of made them on the diagonal and then in and then in the other ones we put in some different lettuces and this was interesting we got it from I think Territorial Seed Company they were like a garden mix that came pelleted and so each pellet has a bunch of because lettuce seeds are super tiny, right? And so it's like a piece of like the bead seeds. You get yeah. them, you get them in like they a little like, clump. They almost. look like clump. Well, bead seeds naturally come clumped, mm. but these come they they clump them together on purpose. Okay. And so you plant them really close together, and then and the other thing we planted were um, and I'm not making this up. It's called Ching Chang Bok Choy from uh, Baker Creek, uh -huh. Baker's, Baker's Creek Seed Company or whatever. Um, 
and they're really popping up. And I'm excited about those because I want to use them to make kimchi. Yeah, we grew those two years ago. More, or three then. It's been three. And really, really tasty in salad, really yeah. tasty, just like lightly steamed. Steamed. They're really good, chopped up and stir-fried. Yeah, and we then, used them as a baby bok choy. We picked them pretty yeah. young, uh, yeah. and those were really good. I'm not a, again, I'm not a huge bok choy fan, but I liked because it's not it's not cabbagey. It has more flavor than a lettuce. It's not like a collard green. It's I guess the closest it's to is like the cabbage without the that the bitterness, the sulfury, the sulfury bit to it. Because mm -hmm. you don't get that. It's more like a I guess it's more like a napa cabbage. Yeah. It's, it, there's like a, a little non-flavor, but it picks up flavors well. Mm -hmm. But it really, like I said, it's 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 perfect for what I want to do with the kimchi. Like have little babies, pack them down with the, uh, the, the that red pepper with layers of scallions and carrots and whatever else mm -hmm. I pull out of the garden. And yum. All right. So on that note, we're going to take another time out. When we come back, we've got your thoughts. The email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, again, 40acrefool at gmail.com. So stick around. There's much more coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. 800-600-8192. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So, uh, talking about emails and trading, a couple of weeks back we got an email from somebody who was talking about they were going to make uh, some jelly out of some of their plums, mm -hmm. wild plum jelly, and uh, they tried their hand at it, but unfortunately it didn't gel, so it's more like a, I think he called it a wild plum honey, but I was like... I'll take it anyway. So I got a trade going this week for wild plum honey syrup for hot sauce. And I'm already thinking like a wild plum syrup and hot sauce would probably make a really yummy pork stir fry dish. Oh yeah, right? right? Yeah. Like a, a glaze for a pork rib or pork chop in that honey, hot honey, like a plum mm -hmm. sweet. Yeah, mm -hmm. so there we go. So that's my uh, barter this week. And I heard from Rob in Southern California who is uh, sending us some mini popcorn corn Ooh. to try growing. Supposedly uh, it's sweeter than your normal popcorn variety of corn and supposedly the kernels, the, the smaller the kernels don't get between your teeth. Well, maybe I'll actually eat popcorn then because right? that's one of the... It's, I, I, I know, must I have know, like a yeah. bit of a sensory processing thing because popcorn in me is just like... <laughs> it doesn't, I can't ever get it right, but yeah, I, that sounds awesome. So uh, P.O. Box 817 Farmville, Virginia. Virginia 23901-0817. That's the uh, mailing address for 40 Acres and a Fool. And uh, you, we are going to be making some more hot sauce here, but it's going to be a very limited batch oh, this time around. It's, it's There's not going to be many to give away. Because last year, it was a sad, sad garden. We had a bumper crop of weeds and 
a little tiny patch of peppers and they I were know mostly, I'm like I'm picking peppers when you're in the hospital after surgery I'm like I will get these peppers for her <laughs> yes I know it was it was it was we this were, is my quest I can do this thing I can't do a damn thing about you being sick but I can make sure you've got peppers when you get home and uh we had peppers up until a frost in November I think but we just didn't have a lot right so we have maybe four no I don't know maybe three half gallon totals of hot peppers to make into a sauce it's not going to be a big bottling not be a big batch no. no I have some less from but it is going to be hot oh it's, it's going to be blazingly hot because the best the most prolific peppers producing the most or habanero and ghost peppers yeah carolina reapers i think have now overtaken the ghost peppers but uh but but in my garden in the garden in your garden yeah yeah we had the ghost peppers and habaneros habaneros and then a couple of other types of hot peppers including a lot of the jalapenos yeah but the ghosts were the one that did the best yeah, we got a lot of habaneros, but we got a lot of ghost we peppers too. Lot, like this is gonna be super duper peppers. hot. Right, it's so. predominantly ghost pepper uh, hot sauce with garlic because there's garlic in every bottle yeah. and um, salt and water. Basically, that's it. But this is gonna be. A w- I'm I'm actually. I'm probably going to be a little too afraid to even try my own hot pepper sauce. I'm just going to make it to the consistency that I think works. Well, we've got to. I'm going to get my one crazy ass friend who drinks my hot pepper yeah, sauce right? to give it a taste test and tell say, me how, what it what it tastes like. Jimmy is going to have to be our yeah, guinea pig Jimmy's for this totally one. Totally got to be the guinea pig. Right. I'm, not, I'm not going near this stuff with a ten foot pole. All right, let's get uh, let's get to a couple of emails here. Stanton writing in says, "Hello, Cam and Mizzy, oh, and hello, that was, that was Stanton Booker. You're talking about the." Uh, Boogers here, like trying to climb out of my lap. Hi, how are you, buddy? Plum Last time I wrote, I mentioned that I was all caught up on the podcast, and you suggested I check out Cam and Company. I am an avid Cam and Company listener. In fact, that's why I'm writing in today, says Stanton. Last week, you shared a story on your Good Guy of the Day segment where a young man cut his leg with a chainsaw. Ouch. His parents tried to stop the bleeding, but it was a nearby officer that responded and saved the young man's leg, and most likely his life, with a tourniquet. Oh, Stanton says, I think this is a very important lesson for your podcast listeners, especially those of us that live well outside city limits where EMS may take a while to get to us. I carry a tourniquet in my backpack pretty much everywhere I go. When I'm working on the uh, uh, on the proto-carry one on my person, especially when I'm using a chainsaw, he says, I'm working on the proto-carry one on my person, uh, especially when I'm using a chainsaw. It's probably a good idea, he says, to keep a tourniquet on your person wherever you are and whatever you're doing. A bad arterial bleed could happen when you least expect it and you or a loved one could bleed out in just minutes. What if you got injured somewhere in your property far from your house? Would an ambulance be able to get to your house and then find you in time? It's not hard to learn how to use a tourniquet, and it could save your life or a loved one's life. Just something to think about, says oh. Stan. Be safe out there. Oh, well, Given your you predilection for, with for cutting, cutting yourself. No, I know. But not, I shouldn't you. say predilection because that makes it sound like you're a cutter. I'm not a cutter. Accidentally I, 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 cutting yourself. I'm, yeah. I you're like just, the female Tim Allen from Home Improvement. I really am. I mean, you're, you're, you're I think, a little I'm bit really more handy, successful at being handy. But, but I'm also just sometimes, accidental sometimes. Yes. I, we went to, I went to cut open something the other day and I managed to slice open my knuckles at the same time and I was like okay I'll be back in a few minutes I gotta get a band <laughs> um, and it's funny that you mentioned this Dan because uh, Missy and I were actually just talking about, about this earlier in the evening have basic first aid training mm-hmm. and we should know how 
to do things in case we're in a situation where somebody starts shooting at us. You know, not to go too far afield, too, but um, this week in Colorado, they're doing the first faster training, which is firearms training for educators. Uh, These are teachers who are already carrying, they've already been designated as security guards in their school districts in Colorado, mostly rural school districts. Okay. Uh, But this is going to be three days of intensive training, and one day is pretty much devoted to first aid, uh, and you know how to respond to uh, an active shooter situation from a oh, first wow. aid perspective, and you know as we talk about more of these attacks, whether it's you know uh, uh, people running into people, uh, intentionally trying to mow them down with their car, shootings like what we saw in Alexandria. Sure. I I again I I'm not trying to say that everybody should carry a gun. People don't want to carry a gun for self defense. But everybody totally get it. Totally get it. But there's I think we all can be thinking about okay, this is the world that we live in. And if you're not comfortable carrying a firearm, would you be comfortable learning first aid? Would you yeah. be like... Everybody should carry a first everybody aid. Everybody should think aid. about how they can be useful, yeah. how they can be beneficial to the people around them, uh, whether they're loved ones or strangers, if God forbid you're ever called to do so. Yeah. And and it doesn't. it's not going to mean everybody carries a fire. There are all going to be people who say, you know what, I'm much better at, at, at this, I'm much better at that. Yeah. But I think we should all be thinking about it. So I appreciate the email, Stan. It's uh, really good to, uh, to hear from you. Also, Mel writing in from Gerald, Missouri. Uh, says, greetings from the not-so-near frontier in the great state of misery. <laughs> Glad to hear Missy's doing better. Hopefully the summer will be filled with plants and deleted expletives. Mm. Yeah, not so many deleted when we're uh, off the air there, uh, uh, Mel. They, 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 they go a-flying. Actually, you've been pretty good this week. I, I have to say, you've, I don't know if you've been intentionally watching the, uh, the cursing, but, uh, but I've noticed. Well, I think oh, hell said- yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> I know I've said a couple of bad words. <laughs> Mel says, uh, I enjoy listening to the podcast on Saturday evenings at work. It's a welcome break from the political and the news podcast that I normally listen to. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Mel. It's uh, it, it's kind of a break from the politics stuff. Again, politics is important. We got it. Nothing wrong with paying attention to, to what's going on in the country. I think that's absolutely vital, particularly in this day and age. But I do worry about people just soaking and marinating uh, in in this constant steady stream of memes and and not in a good way because no marinate a rough uh, you know bad steak that's a good thing but it was kind of like marinating so in, in in sewage are you looking at Booker doing I'm something looking to, yeah okay do we need to take a time out no, here to, is he coming back around. okay yeah. <laughs> he was sniffing around the kitchen he's, island. He's testing us. Uh, really is. Mel says, attached are a few shots from my garden, actually from the end of my drive, a slightly different variety, but the ones that I have, uh, or he said, but ones I've heard you and Miss E talk about on the podcast, he says the weather here has been terrible for my type of garden. Looks like tonight I might be able to get out for the first time in about three years to mm-hmm. do some harvesting. Uh, keep the chicken tunnels open, says Mel, and uh, some beautiful pictures, it looks like, of the... Uh, of the sky oh. in, uh, oh my. in there in misery. And well, that's some amazing pictures, sir. Uh, I appreciate you writing in from Missouri and hope that we get a chance to hear from you again soon. Also, Nick writing in says you're friendly over the road truck driver. He says, I'm kind of sad. Says today I finished all the podcasts. I'm now up to date on everything. <laughs> says that's okay. Just leaves me anxious, wanting to uh, check in anyways. Says I'm checking in from somewhere on I-80 in Ohio, heading to New Jersey. He says, uh, don't tell my wife this. Maybe I should not talk about the rest of this. Uh-uh. So there don't, you go. Don't tell my wife this. 
He says, but I put in for the <laughs> results. Keep your fingers crossed. And maybe at the end of the year, we can do our <laughs> sausage and bacon, uh, sausage and bacon swap. See, he put in for a, a hunting tag that apparently um, doesn't want his wife to know about. So uh -huh. I'm, I'm not getting any more specific than that. Nick, your secret is somewhat safe with me. <laughs> not. <laughs> Nick says, oh, uh, listen to us. anyway, tell me, see, keep doing oh, good. You're trying to keep up with her from everyone in the family in uh, East Carbon, Utah. Best wishes. You're in our prayers. Thank you. Nick, thank you very much from Utah. You have safe travels back out west, and it is uh, good to hear from you. It's always... from Utah. You said thank you from Utah. Uh, well, he's from Utah. Oh. I said safe travels back to Utah. I know we're not from Utah. I know where we're from. I thought you said thank you from... <laughs> Thank you, Nick, from Utah. No. Was it wasn't like a good night, Gracie moment. Utah. Like, no. We're not from Utah. No, I've been meaning to tell you. I've we're moving to Utah. to Utah. I'm going to Utah later this year. Oh, what for? For the Well-Armed Woman Conference. Sounded like a total setup, but it was an accident. I know, right? I didn't know that, but oh, yeah, that's right. It's on my calendar. I'll be heading there in uh, late September, me. as a matter of fact, okay. in, uh, in Provo, Utah. CRS. So we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later as no, we I get know. closer to the date. All right, we are going to start to wrap things up. I have a very restless dog who looks like he needs to go out before he either eats something or poops He's on something. something. Yeah. So, um, until we speak again. Thank you for tuning into 40 Acres and a Fool. Be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and don't forget to listen every now and then. Not just to this program, but just, you know, in general. Listen. It's okay to listen. And learn a lot, right? You said that part. Yep. Probably. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. We'll see you soon. Good night. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh.